is going on everybody welcome in to another edition of the daily energy newsbeat stand up here on this gorgeous thursday november 2nd 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man <laughs> what are we doing today? it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and what a great day we've had and you cracked me up right before the show you're sitting there i gotta travel shoot me oh my goodness <laughs> I, I do have to do some traveling this both of the next two weekends. Actually, luckily, it's not going to impact the show, but I'll be honest, I, I despise traveling and I'm now forced to do it these next two weekends. But the things you do um, for people you enjoy. So um, that's beside the point. Regardless of my travel schedule, we have an absolutely banger of a show lined up. We're going to fly all the way over to Russia and we're going to start there. First, Russia to, quote, sharply increase oil exports in November. That's according to our favorite data uh, rig data provider, Hepler. Next up, Royals oil exports or Russia's oil exports climb despite its commitment to cut supply. Next up, EU it looks to expand sanctions on Russia. That's according to Bloomberg. Yikes. Next up, why Norway, the poster child for electric cars, is having second thoughts. And then after our tour of the EU, we finally come back to our favorite state, California's EV conundrum. Stu will then toss it over to me. We'll lightly touch on what happened in the markets considering the, the, the Fed's decision to hold rates um, at current, what that means, hopefully, um, for the energy markets. We did see oil and gas prices react to that. Natural gas holds fairly flat. Um, we did see the EIA come out and release their crude oil storage numbers. And we also had two earnings that we will slightly dive into. One of them is Stu's favorite uh, company, Northern. So, you know, we had to cover them. Um, and then we'll dive into uh, uh, another earnings that I find I found fairly interesting. And then we'll let you guys get on out of here and, uh, and, and finish up your Thursday. We appreciate everybody who stuck with us. Uh, stuck with us so far, man. I'm tongue tied today. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this show gets better for the listener. But before we dive in to all of this, guys, remember the news and analysis you are about to hear is brought to you by the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Stu and the team do a tremendous job keeping that up to speed with everything that you need to know to stay at the tip of the spear when it comes to the energy business. Um, you can check us out: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube at Energy Newsbeat. Go get. Give us a, a subscribe there. That's really the best way to, to support the show. You can email us questions at energynewsbeat.com. You can interact with the show via dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. It's kind of our new data news combo. So check it out. Give us your feedback. You can also check out the description below, whether you're on YouTube or podcast, see all of the links to the articles, timestamps. You can jump ahead, see, you know, you know, hear about Northern oil and gas's great quarter or learn what the, you know, the, the, the EIA crude oil numbers did, or just you can't get enough and you're ready to hear about Russia. You can do all of that by clicking on the timestamps. Again, we appreciate our team for keeping that all up to speed. I'm going to breath those Stu. Where do you want to begin? Let's buckle up. Oh, buckle up. It's going to be a crazy flight. And uh, hopefully we don't run into that flight lady or whatever her name. I don't care what you say. I mean, if you if you see that you're on your flight. You're not real. You're not real. If you see that on your flight tomorrow, run. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. That was weird. Okay. Russia poised to sharply increase oil experts and no exports. But now you got me. Can't talk. 
exports in November. I'll tell you what, this is uh, analysts link the move to maintenance works in several refineries and higher global crude prices. Russia is likely to increase all exports in November. Here's some key numbers, Michael. Mm-hmm. 200,000 barrel per day increase in next month, uh, reaching up to 3.7 billion barrels per day. That's a bunch. That is a bunch. Billion barrels per day. That is a bunch. And here's, that's even I think what's, what, what, what's interesting is this comes in the face of the fact that the next article you're about to cover, which is, or, or one of the articles that we're looking at is EU looks to expand sanctions on Russia. So I, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but just the, the sharp decrease between what's going on on the actual ground level, which is Kepler, they're a data provider. They're not right. going to just say that without having some underlying facts. Well, then why would the EU be looking to increase sanctions? Hmm, it's almost as if what you've been saying this whole time is absolutely true, Stu. Sanctions don't work. Absolutely. They don't work. And all they do, Putin laughs. Hey, he laughs all the way to the bank. Uh, So anyway, let's go ahead and go to the next article here. Russia's oil exports climb despite commitment to cut supply. Here's where I got a little tickled at this article here a little bit. What politicians actually uh, tells the truth? Right. Mm-hmm. So is it Novak, their head uh, of their oil and energy? Is he over there going, oh, yeah. OK, he's going to do an imitation of Putin. So this is Stuart Turley imitating Novak, who's imitating Putin. Hey, I will cut. Right. So if you sit back and kind of take a look, the four week average crude shipments out of Russia were slightly lower, lower than three point four eight million in the week of October 29th, around 20,000 barrels per day compared to the four week average uh, the week before. Here's where it goes. Russia has pledged to reduce its oil exports by 300,000 barrels per day until the end of 2023 in a show of solidarity with its OPEC plus partner, Saudi Arabia. They're wanting to help increase the price because, Michael, if you remember our article uh, a couple of days, uh, Saudi Arabia wants it at that 120 to 107 to 120 mark. So Russia is saying yes, but they're doing the the old uh, shaking their head yes. And your wife is saying, did you take the trash out? And you're going, yep, nope, I didn't. So it's pretty interesting when you take a look at this. But what is pre, uh, pre, this is a precursor to the other article you gave a hint at. The EU looks to expand sanctions on Russia. Why did the sanction cross the road? It was to try to penalize somebody. And this was not what happened. I mean, so Block has so far imposed 11 packages of restrictions against Moscow over the Ukraine. They are now talking about the next round, which would impact some $5.3 billion in dollars trade with Russia. This is nuts. It's going to try, they're targeting trying to skirt the uh, bans through third countries. They can't even, you know, manage their way out of a paper bag, let alone a crisis. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to f- make it seem like we're just we're standing up for Russia. It's clearly what they're doing no. in Ukraine is wrong. But it, it's pretty funny to the level at which we will go to attempt to sanction somebody without really doing it. I mean, they're trying to go after the loopholes in which they're using to get around the current sanctions. But all this rolls into it's clear sanctions don't work. And if they're able to skirt and get access to the dark fleet, I guarantee now they're going to have access and get around these. So it all comes back to say, you, you know, like you said, you can say. You're in, you've passed sanctions on one hand without really enforcing anything on the other. 
Oh, it's it's like uh, President Biden, uh, and I use the word loosely because he doesn't even know he's president. And when you sit back and, and think, he lessened, do you remember right before we were on this, right as he uh, released the sanctions on the Nord Stream? He goes, oh, yeah, you guys, go ahead, put in the Nord Stream. And, and then uh, they did not enforce the sanctions on Iran in two different ways. And that went from uh, Trump, under Trump, they were doing less than uh, 300,000. They were lucky to do the 250,000 to 300,000 in Iran under Trump. Now they're up there with Russia at that 3 million uh, barrel per mark, 3.5 million. This is nuts. So no, it, it really is nuts. And I think it goes to show, unfortunately, you've been right from the beginning. Sanctions don't work. Let's go to Norway. Uh, let's go around. I really want to go to Norway. I, I just really think this is going to be a fun one. Um, and and Michael, uh, why Norway, the poster child for electric cars, is having second thoughts. This article is not just 100% bashing on EVs. It's because this is their way of life. And just to tee yep. this article up a little bit, Norway has so much electric hydro that it makes sense. Everybody was all on board because their cost of energy is very low when it comes in and you're using hydro. You know, I love me some hydro. I got some right mm -hmm. over here. Okay, yeah, let's go through this. Uh, so he flew across the Atlantic to see what the fuss about was. Uh, this is the EV, EV boom has really taken a look. Nor Norway one, uh, really took their cities and their towns and became more like the U.S. And they people really enjoyed being able to get out and see all the beautiful sights. And then you take a look at everybody, all of the world controlling folks. They're wanting to shut down everything. Norway does not have any public transportation. So even if you don't want a car people in town wanted to get to their lake houses so when you take a look at this now it fizzled norway's dreams of becoming a global hub of ev manufacturing fizzles when the companies ran into financial problems look at this if our producer can roll this camera this picture in michael scroll down in the in the thing do you see the little red car in the center that that's like one hilarious. of those little toy things you got as a kid where like you is like a Flintstone car where you have to use your feet to pedal. Oh, no kidding. Uh, I I'm over here going Thor would not want to get into that. You know, if Thor was out of uh, Norse um, uh, mythology, he would laugh. That's it's about as big as his hammer is this car. So when you come down, EV subsidies fuel car sales, but Norway's cities wanted fewer cars and the citizens wanted more cars. They didn't want to follow this. What are you seeing in this trend of the story? It's the same thing that's happening in the U.S. People aren't going to give up their cars. So I, I can see that this is also going to be a resurgence in the ICE engines as well, too. Well, and I mean, Again, you have to remember, Norway is a small country. It may slightly work. Now, again, I think the, the point of this article is that something that went what intended to be good, which was a big subsidy for EVs, turned out to basically only be a subsidy for the rich because they started buying EV Porsches and the lower income people still didn't move the needle to even get them a car. So it is interesting considering that fact. I mean, you're talking about 
you know, only the, you know, $45,000 of tax-free incentives to order and buy EVs. That's insane. Clearly the United States can't do that, but I think it's an interest. It's an interesting article, but I think there's not much analogy that we can really uh, compare other than what's going on in our favorite state, California, which I think is up next. Oh, it is. All right. California's EV conundrums. You got to love a good California. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to uh, half of the state that uh, is listening to us because we get such huge numbers out of California. We got to love it. And so I think that there is there is hope for California since half of them listen to the podcast. Mike. So, yeah, exactly. So we at least know that we at least know there's four people. um, All right. So. You know, California followed Germany and tried to lead the world towards zero crude oil. So if we take a look at this, the conundrums around California EV, it has a nice list here of eight things. We're not going to go through all of them, but uh, due to the EV battery, uh, this is number four on the list, Michael, questionable means of transporting EVs from foreign manufacturers to the U.S. And you and I talked about this on the other show. Insurance is causing it so they don't want them on the uh, transports coming across the pond. Conditions have grown so dire for the uh, supply chain, uh, that one's another one. And so now it's links to the Chinese slave labor unions. So it's one thing to have a slave, la- uh, a labor union. It's another to have a slave labor union. Maybe they would go on strike. That was funny, by the way. Okay. I'm going, so, I'm about to go on strike. <laughs> so the rate about to the, unionize. The, the energy use me podcast is unionizing. Right. Except you're HR. How in the world are you going to. I'm approve? HR and management. So how does that work? Oh my gosh. You're in trouble, dude. Okay, the regulatory tax landscape led the steady drop in the number of California refineries. It it's not going to happen, dude. I mean, California cannot absolutely. I in our story yesterday on yesterday's podcast, natural gas, compressed natural gas, I guarantee you that's the road for shipping. And if California wants to eat, they're going to love natural gas or compressed natural gas coming around the corner for those uh, engines. So, yep, absolutely. Off to you, dude. All right, well, well, we'll go ahead and move over to the finance segment then. You know, a pretty decent day for the overall markets. We saw the S&P 500 up one percentage point, NASDAQ up uh, one and three quarters percentage points, mainly off the ba- the back of the Federal Reserve, confirming what I think people mostly expected to happen. But it's still, you know, I think the market breathed a sigh of the relief because, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen considering all of the things that the Fed has done. But the Fed has come out and officially not raised rates. They've kept their their base, uh, base interest rate. Um, at five and a uh, quarter to five and a half, um, which is really where it's been since July. You know, this this is the basically the second meeting where they've chosen to hold out of a, a string of eleven rate hike, which include four in twenty twenty three. You know. Jerome Powell came out and was a little bit more optimistic that these higher rates are doing what they they think. You know, I love how he continued to talk about how the the, the labor market was still tight. And you know, if you're uh, if you're uh, somebody who understands Fed speak, that means that they got to get that unemployment rate higher because that's going to now bring inflation down. So you know, you got to remember, you know, they they actively are raising rates to put people out of work so that inflation comes down. They get it does what they want to do. Now, they'll give you Fed speak for all the other junk, and 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 Jerome Powell is probably one of the more, what I would call, least Fed speaky of all the Feds. I mean, it was hard to listen to Greenspan. It was even, it was hard to listen to Ben 
Bernanke. I mean, that guy was that was he was probably the one that perfected the idea of Fed speak. Janet Yellen was had a little bit of that, but you know, Jerome Powell coming from the investment banking world is actually fairly straight up and down, um, considering the fact that you know what his predecessors are. So I think that really that decision, I think, filtered both through the financial, you know, the overall financial markets, but really into energy. We saw, you know, with rates where they were, we did actually see a drop uh, of oil down to 80, 97. That could have also been due to the fact that we saw a crude oil inventory build of about 800,000 barrels. That was a little bit less. It was less than what was expected. So you think the street would like it. But I think think the overall sentiment is that this this, this war that's going on in Israel, and I know we keep coming back to it, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any supply um, disruptions. And I think that's beginning to settle in as we move all uh, forward. And that premium that we've been trading on Due to the fact of this, you know, supposed heightened tensioned war between Israel and Gaza, it it seems like it's going to be, you know, I hate to, you know, say it so laissez-faire, but a conventional war, Israel's going to invade Gaza, and that's it. Nothing, you know, it's like nothing's going to happen when it comes to the overall energy markets. You know, you know, not that we want that to happen, but that's the sentiment that I think is settling in right now, Stu. So I don't know how you see that conflict going from an energy standpoint, but I think the market is sort of extracted about all of that premium that was trading into it when it comes to war. I mean, we're sitting at 8095 right now. I know, and I disagree with you. I do think that there is some coming around the corner where they, they are kind of confused on that. But now let me go back to speaking Fed. I think that uh, Powell actually, I would understand the coneheads better than if Fed, if he's beaten Narfel the Garthot, I understand that more than what I understand from Powell. So um, that's pretty sad when you say, you know, Narfel the Garthot, and that makes more sense. There is no way that they can fix inflation. Now, let's come back over here to uh, the, the other side of this coin. I think the war is going to really dramatically impact energy prices. And there's because several reasons, and that is the lack of investment in oil. Uh, You've heard several of the big boys, Exxon, come out and say it and everything else. And they must listen to the podcast as well, Michael, because they did actually say, you know, we need trillions uh, invested in order to keep it going. Even if there is a recession, a global recession, there still is not enough production in order to lower it very long. I almost personally believe that there is somehow price manipulation going on on the oil. I don't I have no nothing to base it on, but nothing from all the experts I've talked to in the last several days says that it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean you're 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 absolutely right, and, and you know it very well could increase. I just think what we're seeing is the shrinking of that premium. But no, you're absolutely right. Crazy things could happen. I want to point out, Stu. We had you know we're in the midst of of earnings season right now. You can go to energynewsbeat.com, look at our finance tags. You'll be able to see all of the different earnings that are rolling in. Two companies that I wanted to highlight, Stu: Northern Oil and Gas, your favorite. Um, I love them. They, they, you know, you always say good management, good numbers. Pretty good month um, for the. Uh, or uh, pretty good quarter for Northern Oil and Gas. They get record quarterly production of about 102,000 BOE per day. That's 62% oil. Adjusted net income at 61 million, 161 million with adjusted EBITDA wow. at 385 million. If technical gap net income was only 26 million, uh, 26.1 million, but that was just due to um, some charges. Excluding networking capital, they had some cash flow from operations about six 
uh, $263.9 million, uh, which was an increase of 29% from the third quarter of 2022 and generated um, about $127 million of free cash flow. You got to remember um, that's a non-GAAP financial number. I always like to look at, you know, there are non-op companies too. So one of the big things you worry about is capital expenditures. Um, their third quarter CapEx budget was $216 million. Um, uh, $182.3 million of that though was actually drilling and completion. Hmm. Uh, drilling and completion or AFE buys, you know, there it was a little bit higher than the prior quarter due to the fact that they saw a slight increase in development activity occurred um, at one of their successful um, leases ground game. So they went ahead and, you know, authorized, you know, uh, two extra wells, one at 9.7 and 9 million. To give you an idea, their CapEx is spent about us uh, is is spent at about 59% of it is spent in the permian. So you can tell they're mm. heavy in the permian. Uh, they end with about 870 million of liquidity or 879 million of liquidity, 166 of that is uh, uh, borrowing available under their credit facility. And they're only sitting about $13 million of cash. You got mm. to love non-op business, baby. You can just sit on a little amount of cash. It's really nice. Um, they got two point, they got $2 billion of debt, but it's sort of spread out. You know, I just say this because I got to love the non-op business, Stu. And they do it right. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm all in on non-op, especially when you got somebody that actually can understand uh, the charts, they can understand the geological data, and you can actually verify and validate. Drill, but verify. Oh, that's a new one. Drill, but Drill, verify. Drill, but verify. Yeah, I like that's that. That's no fun, though. No. That's no fun. <laughs> Wildcat, there's You're no wildcats. Boring. There's no wildcats when you drill but verify. That's a t-shirt waiting to happen, dude. Yeah. Some of the other earnings we've got available, guys. Uh, you know, Marathon dropped today. California Resources dropped today. Pacific Land. Um, we saw Apache, Silver Bow, uh, Viper Energy Partners, Magnolia, um, Permian Res um, and uh and 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 Barry Petroleum, Earthstone, or we ran those. So I mean, we're gonna myriad of earnings. Go check those out on Energy Newsbeat if you want to dive in more. I mean, they're they're going to be good. We saw commodity prices go up. Uh, again, the headline really is this M&A space. So, Stu, we will continue to stay up to speed on that. Um, anything else, though? Well, what should we leave these folks with? Uh, buckle up. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Fed speak scares me. Well, in, in Stu speak, buckle up, folks. So, all right. <laughs> we'll let you guys get out of there um, and get back to work. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Have a great weekend. Um, you'll hear an interview from Stu. Who are we dropping on Friday, Stu? Who who drops uh, interview-wise? Uh, we just dropped, uh, this one was a really good poem. Thank you for asking. Uh, we just dropped the Secretary General of the African uh, Petroleum Producers. Uh, they're 18 member nations. It's the African version of OPEC. They carry a big stick and they are phenomenal. I now have several new African leaders that are coming online that are going to be on the podcast. I'll be able to share those names. And we also have about four others that I'm trying to work with the team on, on which ones they're going to send out. But we have, I think, six that are coming out very quickly. So, yeah, you'll see those on Friday. And then Saturday, you guys can hear the weekly recap where we cover uh, where, where, where the suit, the team picks out um, some of their favorite, favorite segments, slices it up, and, and we send it out for a little Saturday news. You get a Sunday off and we will be back in your year on Monday, guys. So we appreciate it. Um, enjoy the rest of the week, guys. Enjoy the podcast on Friday. Enjoy the weekly recap on Saturday. And Stu and I will see you on Monday, folks. Monday, folks.